0: Role-playing games have been around almost as long as first-person shooters have. While the very first FPS, first-person shooter, is Space Sim from 1974, the earliest known commercially available RPG released in 1976, Colossal Cave Adventure. Now, notice how I shoved the term commercially available in there. Colossal Cave Adventure was a text-based role-playing game, and it was based off of early text-based games found on many mainframe computers at universities and offices across the globe such as Dungeon in 1975 or 76, D and; D in lowercase and with an N instead of an amphiand in 1975, and Pettit 5, also called The Dungeon, also released in 1975. Each of the aforementioned games, including Colossal Cave Adventure, were heavily based off of or were just unofficial versions of Dungeons and Dragons, the original pen and paper role-playing game, or pen and paper tabletop role-playing game, developed and released by Ernest Gary Gygax in 1974 with subsequent expansions and revisions all the way through to today. This brings us to the first role-playing games I could find with any sort of actual graphics. As a teenager, Richard Garriott loved computers, and he had a knack for programming. In high school, junior year for those interested, he began to work on a school project, a game called Akalabeth, which he programmed using one of the school's mainframe systems and two Apple II computers, one of which had been bought for him by his father, the other belonged to the school. Starting development sometime in 1979, Garriott demoed the game later that year under the working title D&D 28B. D&D was the working title, 28B refers to the revision number to his boss at Computerland, a chain store specialising in selling computers, where he seemingly, don't quote me on this, worked during afternoons and outside of school hours and in summers. His boss suggested he sell the game at the store, convincing him that it should sell well. Garriott saved up and eventually released the full game in 1980, financing the printing of the manuals, copies, and covers himself. But you won't find any pictures of the original game sealed in a box. They were sold in Ziploc bags, with a cover drawn by Garriott's mother. Garriott sold maybe a dozen or so copies in the store for about $20 each, but with time, one of those copies made its way to California Pacific Computer Company, who contacted him and made a deal. California Pacific would publish and distribute the game, this time in an actual box with artwork by Dennis Lobay, at a retail price of $35, and Garriott would receive $5 per copy sold. Richard Garriott claims the game sold, then went on to sell 30,000 copies, which would amount to him receiving a total of $150,000. That is a lot in today's money. That was a lot back then, too. Why am I bringing all this up? Context. Interestingly, Akalabeth featured both isometric, or top-down, and first-person gameplay. The overworld, where you travel from city to city and occasionally get attacked by thieves or necromancers, had isometric gameplay, with the player being represented by a little cross at the centre of the screen. The overworld map was extremely basic, with cities represented by a collection of squares relying on a text bar using short descriptions to fill in the gaps. Mountains, oceans, all that other stuff, those were colored letters, so to speak. Any ground that you could traverse was marked by a full stop. I kid you not. The dungeons, on the other hand, were played in first person. I can't find any sources that specifically say whether the first person elements were done in 3D or not, but it seems to have been done in much the same manner as Maze Wars from 1973, 4 or 5, whenever it released one of those years. Quick recap, Uh, Maze Wars basically strung together a series of images, like it was literally a slideshow, which gave the impressions of moving through a 3D space and attacking or being attacked. It was, yeah. Notably, Akalabeth was quite possibly the first game where the player required food to survive, with the first survival game, Wilderness, a survival adventure, releasing in 1986. Dungeon maps, the overworld and a player's stats were randomly generated, Those stats were always low at the start, and based on a lucky number, the game asked the player to enter at the start of each playthrough. Said number was then used as the quote-unquote world seed. A world seed is used to determine where things are, how the game world appears, where enemies are, what loot they drop, how much gold merchants have, along with what items they stock in a variety of other factors. It's just a cheap way of making sure the game's different each time. Akalabeth also introduced something which is stuck through in RPGs to this day. Classes. Fighter or mage? If you pick mage, well done! If you picked fighter, I have just one question. Are you okay with the idea of playing super difficult games like Dark Souls? If not, restart the game and pick mage. <laughs> no, seriously, the classes don't dictate difficulty as there are set difficulty levels, but the game's meta, or best strategy, almost forces you to pick the mage. Um... Fighters do better damage overall but often fall just short of what is necessary and they also can't control the magic amulet, yielding magic random results whenever they use it. Said results can push you forward or set you back. Mages on the other hand do less damage with melee weapons and can't use certain weapons at all but have full control over the aforementioned amulet, and that is integral to finishing the game. Play as fighter and you'll spend an hour or two playing a brutal dungeon crawler, occasionally using the amulet in the hopes it won't screw you over. As the mage, you'll be well on your way to veritable godhood in 20 minutes or less. Ultima, on the other hand, was Garriott's skill as a programmer and designer put to good use. In Ultima, using character creation, we were given basic stats, and you could change them up slightly during character creation. The player is given 30 points to distribute between their stats, with each stat Strength, Agility, Stamina, Charisma, Wisdom and Intelligence, starting at 10 points. You would then pick from one of four races, Human, Elf, Dwarf, and Bobbit, that last one's basically a Hobbit. Depending on your race, you would get certain buffs to your skills, Dwarfs have increased strength, etc. After setting your stats and picking your race, you would pick your class, Fighter, Cleric, Wizard, and Thief. Your choice of class would then add further buffs or debuffs to your stats. After this, you pick your gender, which, just like modern role-playing games, has no effect on gameplay whatsoever. Ultima 1, unlike Akalabeth, didn't have a first-person view of any sort, sticking with just a truly flat or true top-down view of the world. Where Ultima 1 differed aside from overall gameplay was in its look and in character creation. The character creation was more expansive than in Akalabeth. Ultima 1 went on to spawn an entire franchise. Ten entries, not including Akalabeth, which was only recently recognized as Ultima Zero, three spin-offs, four if you count the massively multiplayer online game, two console exclusives and a ton of ports. But Ultima 1, the First Age of Darkness, didn't just start a franchise. It birthed a genre. Fantasy races, classes, magic and monsters. Ultima took Dungeons and Dragons and put it into a video game. Welcome to the birth of role-playing games. Right, that was a little bit lengthy, but I do hope you all enjoyed that. Hopefully we can dig more into this topic in the future. I have a lot to say about old video games, if you guys find this interesting. In any case, I hope everyone's keeping safe. Cheers.